The Manifestation of God's Feasts by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor It has been taught by the ancient sages that the Feast of Rosh Hashanah falls on the day of mankind's creation. It is probably not a coincidence, then, that understanding of the new species of man came about the time of that feast, which brought to light the birthing of God's end-time generation of humanity. Psalm chapter 102, verse 18, prophesied long ago of that generation. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 3 verses 27 and verse 29 speaks of their origin. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. These are the true heirs of the kingdom. As this remnant generation is harvested and gathered to the master's barn, yet another birthing takes place. The parturition or birth of the end-time body of Christ. Let me explain. A thousand years is as a day to the Lord. Christ's death on the cross and resurrection happened two thousand years ago, as of the present year, two thousand. Here we are twenty years later, twenty-twenty, which makes it the early part of the third day, or the morning of the third day just as he rose from the grave two thousand plus years ago, so his body rises up today. John chapter 2 verses 19 through 21 Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. See the symbolism? Then the Jews said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? They could only see it in the carnal. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. We must see this through the eyes of the Spirit. Likewise, this end-time generation comes up from the watery grave of baptism, new creatures, just like Christianity. But by feasting on God's end-time knowledge, they began to develop an insatiable appetite for truth and ended up maturing into a completely new species. It is this new species that are becoming the body of Christ in these end days. They are temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You are a special part of Christ. John 14, verse 2 speaks of the individual temples as beautiful mansions. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In Him, because He sacrificed Himself for our sins, His blood makes the repented righteous pure, clean. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 But now indeed there are many members yet one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building, or His house, if matured, His mansion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Again, 
The carnal man will not be able to comprehend this, nor will carnal eyes have insight to see it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 reiterates, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Through Nathan, David's prophet, God prophesied one of David's descendants would build a house for God's name. John chapter 7 verse 42 Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So it is through Jesus the end-time tabernacle or house of God is built. It is not a temporary tent but a permanent end-time dwelling for God. Exodus chapter 39 verse 32 speaks of the first physical tabernacle. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And we today must allow Christ to just as proficiently build the spiritual house of God today through us. Acts chapter 15 Verse 16, prophesied of this phenomenon. After this, I, Jesus, will return, and he did at Pentecost, and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, the body of Christ, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. The early church was powerful, but little by little hypocrisy entered, wickedness was tolerated, and it, like all before, it slowly became a part of Babylon. But thankfully, there is yet another tabernacle, the body of Christ. Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will sit on the throne of the new species' hearts, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, this dwelling of God will be eternal through his church glorious, the new species, his body. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 proves who this house embodies. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul shows us how the Godhead functioned through Christ as he was on earth the first time, which gives us a perfect picture of how he will operate through the body of Christ today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, accomplishing what he wanted done on earth, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So the spirits of the righteous are being collectively gathered to build the body of Christ or his house so he can materialize his victory over the world and the enemy and bring to light the grand finale of God's plan for the restoration of earth's creation. This also cannot be seen, however, with the natural eye. Luke Chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, 
The kingdom of God does not come with observation, cannot see it, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So again, the natural flesh and blood man, if not born again, cannot see the house or body of Christ or the kingdom. We must resurrect from the grave at baptism for our spirit to be revived, and it must be touched by the Holy Spirit to begin life as a spiritual being. John chapter 3, verses 3 and verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, filled with the Spirit as evidenced by the speaking of tongues, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Our spirit must be alive and equipped to be in the image of God and a citizen of the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, as is the Adamic race, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The new species. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 plainly explains, But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, will not inherit the promises, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Most are not aware they exist because they are spiritually discerned. Those he has harvested to build his house, because of his knowledge, become lights to the rest of the world. These are ones used by God to make his end-time truth available to those that hunger and thirst to feast at the Lord's table. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 speaks of them. You are the light of the world, a city, New Jerusalem, that is set on a hill, Mount Zion, cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but are on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Just think, if each mansion is full of light, imagine what a fully united tabernacle, in other words, a completely joined together body of Christ, would look like. What a festival of lights that would be! More importantly, the inside of each mansion exudes an atmosphere befitting a king. There is love, joy, and peace, goodness, and kindness found there. These are faithful vessels exhibiting self-control that have crucified their flesh to allow their spirits to lead and guide. Ones that fully understand they cannot do anything apart from God that is successful, much less eternal. Those harvested by the Lord happily function from within God's rest to fulfill His plan of restoration and live righteous lifestyles according to the law written on their hearts and minds. Their spirit, soul, and body is genetically related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the seed of Abraham, Christ, and therefore they are heirs of God's kingdom according to His promise. They are not a part of, nor are they interested in this world or anything it has to offer. It does not belong to God, so is of no interest to them. But unfortunately, 
There are those that do love this world, crave what it offers, and are dedicated to making it even more in line with their carnal desires. The two bodies, the two houses, battle for possession of the earth and all that is on it. The enemy's greatest pleasure is to steal things that are valuable from God's kingdom and attempt to make His greater. As we have looked at the beautiful house of God and His harvest, let us now inspect the inside of the house of the enemy and look with spiritual insight at the body of Satan and what this house is comprised of. Remember, Satan has tried to counterfeit everything of God and has carefully molded and shaped the world and its culture to be comfortable with him as ruler. This includes man. So Satan's house or body will look on the outside in most essential respects, just like that of the Lord's. On the inside, however, is quite a different story. You see, on the outside, they look much the same because the basic foundation or starting point of both bodies is Adam. But there, the relevancy stops. The inside of Satan's house is filthy, cluttered with unclean spirits. Sickness, disease, pain, and sorrow, along with depression and grief, are accepted and frequent guests. The atmosphere is quite gross. The residual spiritual stench of sin, instead of the sweet aroma of righteousness, meets the nose of God as a result of the acts these vessels take part in. You see, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life are the forces that govern Satan's body. His house is, therefore, subjected to wrongdoing. There is no physical restoration for, and in some cases, no forgiveness exposing them to judgment and the Creator's wrath. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5 warns that they will stand before God with their trespasses. They will give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They will bow their heads one day before God for the things done behind closed doors, things done secretly they thought no one saw. All unrepented sin will be exposed for everyone to see. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 18. Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, not our works for sure. We would all come up short, if not for Him. Where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? This lawless generation legally, by spiritual law, belongs to the kingdom of darkness. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is law. In fact, in Scripture, it is ranked a royal law. It is a shame, but the evil works of the flesh described in Galatians have become the norm for Satan's society today. These are the epitome of an end-time generation of genuinely lawless ones. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, extramarital sex that willfully interferes with a marriage, fornication, sex between people not married to each other, uncleanness, morally or spiritually impure, lewdness, crude in an offensive sexual way, 
idolatry, worship of idols. An idol is anything that takes your mind from God. Sorcery, witchcraft, magic, anything from the dark side of the supernatural. Hatred, contentions, stirring or causing arguments. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, disagreements that lead to discord, heresies, beliefs contrary to truth, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, festivities where drinking, etc. take place, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This describes an immense body of people. There is therefore much darkness found in the house of Satan, intended to conceal wickedness and hide sin from the sight of the righteous they hope to fool. They are a secretive people, not wanting others to see their real intentions, know their thoughts, or see the things they do behind closed doors. The devil uses this kind to sneak into the camp of the righteous. Many are quite familiar with Scripture, know right from wrong very well, but lawlessly refuse to change. Satan loves them. Spiritual Esau's, born again, but have given up their birthright to return to the things of the world and the devil's lifestyle. We read about them in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And then the lawless one will be revealed, the body of Satan, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, in time truth, and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Remember God's mansions? The coming of the lawless one, again the body and house of Satan, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception, Easy for Satan to fool ones that do not have truth or do not love the truth enough to hold them up or keep them straight. Among those who perish or die. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. The deception is they think they are okay with him. That they should believe the lie. That they are in good standing with the Lord that they all may be condemned, or damned, who did not believe the truth. When God warned to come out of the world, separate from the kingdom of darkness and the things of Satan, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. How sad! Matthew chapter 7, verses 22-23 through 23 shows us the end of these ones. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are not ones that make mistakes and repent. We all fall short, but are those that know the truth, but purposely and intentionally walk in opposition. These lawless ones do not like God's people at all, and are used of Satan to come against those that house Christ, so there is conflict between the body of Christ and the body of Satan, Antichrist, or the house of God and the house of Satan. Ultimately, it is a supernatural battle between two spirit beings, the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 
shows us the spirits that operate through Satan's body. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, this is all the natural man knows to do, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These spirits are the unseen enemies of both God and mankind. So it will take a supernatural, spirit-led people to defeat the supernatural host of unclean spirits that operate through Satan's body. It is a fact a carnal or natural man cannot stand against the supernatural powers of darkness. This is why Satan has convinced so many that the Feast of Pentecost is not for today or the equipping of our spirits even necessary. Does he want our spirit to be able to communicate with the Holy Spirit and seek advice from God in a language he doesn't know? Of course not. In fact, that is why he has so many false doctrines and lies concerning even baptism, thus making it very difficult for God's people to be certain how to be truly born again. Many are not. Most false doctrines and lies were designed by the enemy to keep humanity helpless against the spirit realm, and the plan has been quite successful. Even though Jesus overcame the world and the enemy, it will take ones that love Him and are spirit-led, fruit-bearing vessels that include Him in all they do in their daily lives for Him to manifest and enforce His spiritual victory to earth. Only then will all creation be restored and mankind made full recipients of all God's promises. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 21 For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Here is another reason Satan has tried to stop the birthing of the new species and the body of Christ. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 55. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, the natural man, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, something that can die, inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible, us, has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? As we read this article, we are in the season of God's fall harvest feasts, Rosh Hashanah, Atonement, or Yom Kippur, Tabernacles, or Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, and Simchat Torah. So what does this blast have to do with them? Plenty. We are living them. 
Rosh Hashanah is also called Head of Days, making it the beginning of the new year in the civil calendar, and the feast commemorating not only the creation of Adam and Eve, but the new species, is now revealing the rising or resurrection of the spiritual body of Christ as well. It is also called the Feast of Ingathering, and is the Lord not gathering in His flock this very moment to build His dwelling, His body? This feast is also known as the Feast of Trumpets, or Day of Sounding. Are the trumpets not blowing loud and clear that the harvest has begun, and warning to make sure which side you are on? There are ten days set aside for man to repent, called the ten days of awe, giving us time to search the person we are in our hearts and minds, in preparation for judgment. For the righteous there will be atonement, and in the end, jubilee, making them that lighthouse, the glorious tabernacle for the Lord. They are children of the eighth day, the fulfillment of Shemini Atzeret, filled with the living waters of truth, in time knowledge of God. These rejoice in God's law, and their obedience to it separates them from the world and makes them a sweet aroma to Him. They love their God, and they in turn are precious gems to Him. Simchat Torah. Do you see what I mean by experiencing the feasts, living them? It is a strange time we are living in. It feels like all of the feasts are being lived by God's people at one time now. Some are passing over from the world to the courtyard of the kingdom, seeing the need to repent and being born again, thus experiencing the feast of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Others are being touched by the Spirit of God and have become the spiritual generation of Pentecost. We have already discussed Rosh Hashanah, Atonement, Tabernacles, Shemini Atzeret, and Simchat Torah. There are those that have become the recipients of the spiritual food served at all seven holy convocations, or all ten feasts. You could say they have been sevened, or wear the number of God, and not the 666 of man. These dwelling gods rest on Mount Zion and New Jerusalem, as spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 29. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, safety, shelter, and peace here, to the general assembly. These have been gathered, and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, not in earthly church membership books, but in God's records, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, the mature new species, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth much more after the sacrifice of his life, shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Just think, there are people still trying to fix it. Now this, yet once more, 
indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, man's works, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain, the predestined works of God which his people bring to fruition. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He purifies it in fire if it is His, or burns it up if not. It is here on this mountain and in that city you will find the house of the Lord. Of course, Satan always has his counterfeit. So where is it? Obadiah chapter 1 verse 18 The house of Jacob, the spiritual remnant of Israel, promised to Abraham, shall be a fire. And the house of Joseph, those that were enslaved by the world, that have come out of it, a flame like their God. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them. And no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 3 and verse 14, further explains, And say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, black mountain that houses the born again, that give up their inheritance and the kingdom for the world. I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you, the fivefold ministers, and make you most desolate. Thus says the Lord God, The whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate through the prayer and praise of his government. So in closing, mankind is caught up in a huge spiritual battle. All of humanity, whether they believe or not, are on one side or the other. Christ's body by choice or Satan's. Kingdom of darkness may be again by choice but most likely it is by default, not understanding the reality of the spirit realm. Satan has presented the supernatural as a fantasy for so many years, and in so many ways that this generation of people think that way and are blind to the reality of God or the devil. 2 Corinthians offers good advice. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you are disqualified. Once saved, always saved is another one of the lies from hell. If we will read, we can certainly be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. If upon inspection you find yourself in the wrong house and you are a born-again, spirit-filled believer, remember the ten days of all. Repent and hurry back where you belong. If you are not born again and you want to be a part of the Lord's tabernacle, the hyperlink will take you to God's outline for salvation. If you are born again but not filled with the Spirit, this hyperlink will show you the Father's desire to empower you and equip your spirit so you too can become a part of his house, a resident of Zion, a spiritual warrior for the Lord. Wherever you are on the king's highway, in quest of restoration and eternity, sit down at the Lord's table, be sure to eat all that is served at each feast of God, and by all means eat 
all of the Lamb. John chapter 6 verse 53 Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you.